Hey everybody, Lee here. By now I'm sure you've learned that Mike Stoops is out as Oklahoma's defensive coordinator. The news broke Sunday evening after Grant and I recorded the podcast you're about to hear. So just to be clear, this podcast was recorded before Mike Stoops was fired. No need to worry though. Grant and I will record an emergency podcast Monday evening and release that episode as soon as possible. So while you wait for our complete thoughts on Mike Stoops' time at Oklahoma finally coming to a close, take in this hopefully therapeutic episode about the OU Texas game. It begins with my opening take about the Sooners defense and Mike Stoops. Enjoy. A lot came out of Saturday's OU Texas game. Most combined points ever scored between those two teams, 93. Most points OU's ever allowed against Texas, 48. The last three times Oklahoma has gone into the Red River shootout unbeaten, the Sooners have lost. All of this bad, very bad. But for whatever reason, one simple statistic has lingered in my mind. The last two games that Oklahoma has lost, the Sooners scored 48 points in one of them and 45 in another. Now, you may remember I was one of the few people surrounding the Oklahoma program that actually put the Rose Bowl loss more on the offense than the defense. The Sooners somehow held Georgia to just 17 points in the first half, and when Oklahoma needed a massive play late in that game, the defense not only forced a turnover, but the defense scored a touchdown to give Oklahoma the lead. Sure, the defense against Georgia gave up way too many big plays, but it played well enough to give Oklahoma's offense a two-touchdown halftime lead, plus the football coming out to begin the second half. The Sooners' offense, the best single unit in all of college football in 2017, only scored one touchdown the entire second half in overtime against Georgia. OU was put in great position by its defense early on, and the offense didn't get the job done down the stretch. Here's the thing, though. Georgia's offense was actually pretty good last year. I wasn't quite as high on the Bulldogs as Grant was. He'll tell you Georgia had one of the best offenses in college football in 2017. But the Bulldogs certainly had a ton of talent on that side of the ball. Hell, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, the two running backs, are looking like they could be a pair of pretty good NFL running backs, to nobody's surprise, who has eyes and has watched college football the past couple of years. While that Georgia offense was good, to really good the 2018 texas offense is not coming into saturday texas was averaging a measly 5.3 yards per play this season good enough for 99th in the nation texas was one week removed from scoring one offensive touchdown against kansas state yes the same kansas state team who just on saturday gave up more than 550 yards and 37 points to baylor This was a Texas offense that was held to 28 points by Tulsa back in week two. Tulsa could have won that game if the Golden Hurricane hadn't missed three field goals. It was a Texas offense that was pretty darn easy to watch on film and understand what they wanted to do. Bubble screens, QB runs, inside gives to the running back, curls and comebacks to their big wide receivers with a few deep balls mixed in to keep the defense honest. Nothing special, nothing difficult to prepare for, which is why this Texas offense had not been very good. The Longhorns don't do anything particularly great on offense, 
and their quarterback is just fine with the propensity to be bad when he's put under pressure. But not on Saturday. Sam Ellinger looked like a right-handed, better version of Tim Tebow at the Cotton Bowl. Texas scored on seven of its first eight true possessions. Seven of eight. Following the loss, Mike Stoops said this to a bunch of reporters at the Cotton Bowl. Quote, I'm extremely disappointed in my inability to get this team to play at a higher level. It takes everybody pulling the same way. Certainly, I take a lot of responsibility, that's for sure. End quote. How about cornerback Parnell Motley? He had this to say about the defense missing more and more tackles on Saturday. Quote, really frustrating. We just keep talking about it and talking about it. I get tired of that expletive. We got to go prove it. It's crazy. We keep talking about it and not doing it. I'm tired of talking. We just have to go out there and play, end quote. I suppose it's nice to see that both Stoops and Motley each publicly proclaimed moments of clarity and self-awareness following a loss that likely knocked Oklahoma out of the college football playoff. But guess what? Talk is cheap, and Motley basically said that. It's unacceptable for the Sooners to be elite on offense and this bad on defense, and it's not like this is a new problem. We've been talking about this for years. It's just that the offense has been so amazing that it's bailed out the defense over and over and over again. I think we've seen way more than enough evidence to suggest that Oklahoma's defense under this current direction will never become a unit that you can count on to improve and maybe even strike fear into another team's heart. After Saturday's game, a change at the top of the defense seems inevitable. It's only a matter of when. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. No intro today, and you know if you're a listener of this podcast when there's no intro, that probably means that there's some serious subject matter or we're just kind of down and we don't want to listen to a positive play from a game that ultimately ended in an Oklahoma loss, which is exactly what happened on Saturday. So once again, I am Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. No intro. As I just stated, we'll bring Grant here in a moment. Before we get to that, though, just want to remind you all, uh, thanks for all the ratings and reviews on iTunes. As the season progresses uh, and you're new to the show, please feel free to, to give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It really helps us with the iTunes rankings, and the more ratings and reviews a show gets, the more it gets to be seen by other people that might find the podcast enjoyable. If you're a fan of West of Everest, we really appreciate it. And we appreciate you all spreading the word and getting the word out. We're trying to grow the podcast as much as possible. We had our first guest on, guest on last week with Dean Blevins. Hopefully you enjoyed Dean's take on the OU Texas game. One of his lines was that after OU Texas, you either feel really, 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 really good or just horrible and sick. And here we are a couple days later feeling the latter. And he's a guy that's experienced it from both ends. And so I know he was not. I didn't get a chance to see him on Saturday. I didn't get a chance to go to the Cotton Bowl. Uh, I, was, I was back at Oklahoma City. But uh, the next time I see Dean, I'm sure he's not going to be very happy about, about that game. But um, I digress. So uh, appreciate the, the support. Asking for ratings and reviews. Five stars are great. Uh, if, if you have a rating other than five star, let us know. And, and we'll try to, to make our, uh, our show a little bit better and, and, and do 
do things that you would appreciate more than what we currently are doing. Also, I'm on Twitter at Lee Benson News 9. Grant is at, on Twitter as well at Grant Benson 25. I was tweeting quite a bit during the OU Texas game. Uh, that's kind of the nice thing sometimes when I'm not at the game, I can actually watch and, and be on social media a little bit more and interact with some of you. Some of you I, I saw on Twitter, I appreciate it. Uh, following along, watching the game. That was kind of therapeutic in a way. So uh, that's always fun as well. Also, we don't get home a whole lot of emails anymore because email is just not as as popular. But if you want to send us an email, westofeverest at gmail.com. All right, I've talked enough. Let's bring in Grant. Uh, Grant, 11 a.m. kick on Saturday yet again for OU Texas. We were texting a little bit during the game, but not a whole lot. Your thoughts? How's it going today on a Sunday? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not a great OU Texas Sunday. Well, obviously, the Sunday after losing to Texas, Lee, is never fun. I hate losing to Texas. It's just that Dean Blevins was absolutely right about that. You either feel great or you feel awful, and I think all of us felt pretty awful after that game. Although, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't as bad as I think some, some past ones um, in the last handful of years. I, I, that 2015 game, with that, the first Baker Mayfield game against Texas, they lost. That one bothered me a whole lot more. Uh, than this one, mostly just because that season Texas was legitimately a bad football team. Texas is not bad this year. They're 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 a good football team, uh, but they are not they are not a top ten football team that everybody is is proclaiming them to be after this week. Lee, that was a that was a game that obviously raises a lot a lot of questions for Oklahoma moving forward as a football program. There were just a lot of things that are that happened over the course of that game that I think a football program like Oklahoma where they want to be, where they want to get to are completely unacceptable. Um, God, I just, what was I going to say? Oh goodness. Oh, the, the 2015 game. Another reason why, yeah, that was a bad Texas team. I mean, they finished below 500 that season. Another reason why I'm sure it was, it, you, you, that probably bothered you more is that the offense in that game didn't perform what they score. Oh, you scored 24 points or less than that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, whereas on Saturday, the offense, again, was very, very good, minus a couple of turnovers, which unfortunately the turnovers, both of them led to Texas points because the Oklahoma defense was like hot knife through butter. And uh, we'll, we can get into that a little bit more later. But overall, the, the offense was, again, was very good. And supposedly that was the best defense Oklahoma will have faced. It probably was so far up this year. Although, uh, you know, I part of me was thinking, I don't know if Texas defense really is as good as a lot of people think it is. But then I kind of took a step back and realized, wait a second. This is, this is kind of turning into the same thing as last year where I'll watch this game and see Oklahoma's offense just carve up a defense. And I kind of forget, oh, yeah, Oklahoma's offense is the best in the nation. It, there's not like a whole lot of defenses that, is going to be able to slow this offense down anyways. So Texas's defense, they got a few stops. I mean, they got more stops than Oklahoma's did, which isn't saying much because Oklahoma's defense is really, really bad right now. And those first two weeks of the season, Grant, seemed like it was two years ago at this point. And um, everything that you were saying last week or a week or two ago, I don't know, about how this defense is actually better than last year, it made sense at the time, your numbers and everything like that. It it, at the time, it made sense, but now after this game, that's it doesn't. I mean, both last year and this year, the defense is atrocious, and I believe atrocious was a word actually that Mike Stoops used to describe parts of that game. So I'm not I'm not using that word myself. I'm I'm actually in a way quoting 
Mike Stoops. So uh, real quick, my prediction was an Oklahoma blowout. And I had this on, on Twitter, and I'll say it again here on the podcast. You know, Shame on me for thinking that the Oklahoma defense would be able to continue to limit big plays and slow down a Texas offense that is at best average. Shame on me for that. I was wrong about that. And uh, Oklahoma's uh, Oklahoma winning the game by multiple touchdowns and the defense playing well against an offense. Again, that's at, at best average. But, well, when playing Oklahoma is elite, apparently. I was wrong, and I feel like an idiot for that. You predicted more of a closer game, so uh, you and everybody else who predicted a close game was more correct on that one. But um, it's just it's, it was so frustrating, and you mentioned that this is a time when uh, Oklahoma is a program where they want to be. They're so far away from it after a game like that. I, I don't know what's going to happen next. I, it's hard to imagine a change coming in the middle of the season. And talking to one of my coworkers on Saturday, Steve McGee, who is our Thunder reporter, and he's about ready to go on a month, month long, I mean, multiple month uh, venture in covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. He made a good point on Saturday afterwards. He's like, I, I don't know if it's a situation where they could really get rid of Mike Stoops because what could that do for what, what about recruiting? I mean, that could end up hurting recruiting. So. I think that's a good point. I mean, it's you, you don't you rarely ever see coaches in college get relieved of their duties in the middle of the year, and I think recruiting is a big reason for that. So it's it's hard for me to to see a change coming at all uh, right now. But at the same time, I it, at this point, how do you not do something different when the season ends? I mean, even if somehow Oklahoma's defense gets better, I just this this loss is going to linger, Grant. Definitely going in a lot of different directions there, Lee. Um, first of all, I, I want to just go back to something that you said a little earlier in your in your monologue. Um, they continued to to not give up explosive plays in that game. That that wasn't the issue in that game. Off the top of my head, I can think of I can think of two tech, like explosive Texas plays on the very first drive. The kind of the fade route to Colin Johnson on Parnell Motley, and then I think Keontae Ingram had like a thirty yard run, and that was it for Texas in terms of explosive plays. Yes, they had two 30-plus yard plays, and those were both of them. Other than that, Lee, it was exactly what I feared for going into the game. It was four yards here, six yards here, third medium, a slant over the middle. They, it, Oklahoma followed their script almost to a T in this game, except they just did not dial up as much pressure as they had in four of the five games coming in, the Army game notwithstanding. It was... I'm completely mystified by the defensive game plan going in, Lee, because when I watched it back, I can't really discern any sort of game plan. After Afterwards, Lincoln Riley was asked about the game plan, and I don't want to misquote him, but uh, generally he said it was he liked the game plan. And, I mean, what are you going to say? He's backing his coaching staff. I mean, that's what's going to happen. But, yeah, I... I texted you this this morning. I watched the game back last night, and it's really easy to say the defense was bad because the defense was bad. But it's like I've watched so many bad performances by this Oklahoma defense now, where they just look like there's not really a plan. They don't know. They don't have an identity. That I've gotten to the point now, Grant, where I'm not even sure what a good defense looks like, and I'm not even sure what they could have done differently because I've been so my brain's been scrambled so much. The only thing that comes to my mind of what they should have done more, and I'm not sure if this would actually this would this would have worked uh, overall throughout the entirety of the game. I, this is going to sound really stupid and 
Joe Schmo on the streets, I think they should have just blitzed Sam Ellinger literally every single play. That's all I can come up with of what they could have done differently because the couple of times where they send some guys, it seemed like he was forced to make a decision that he didn't want to make. But the problem was is that Oklahoma blitzed very rarely on Saturday, if not ever. I don't know if they even blitzed. I doubt they blitzed 10 times. And in Texas ran, I think, 75 plays. I, I don't think there was 10 blitzes in that game. And I don't understand why. I don't, I don't understand why, it, especially because, uh, like you said, yeah, there's 32 30-plus yard plays. They did give up, I think, at least 10, though, pl- separate plays of at least 15 yards. So, the, I mean, they were giving up, like, those chunk plays there. But, yeah, I mean, there wasn't, like, a 75-yard touchdown like there was, uh, you know, a couple years ago. There, there wasn't two 70-yard touchdowns like there was against Baylor, two, you know, last year. Um, I, I'm just so confused on what they were trying to accomplish. And I think that there's some talent on that side of the ball, Grant. I really do. And I will continue to think that I just think they're getting put – they're not getting put in good positions to succeed based on the scheme. And, uh, again, I – this, this is becoming more of a ranty-ish podcast than I thought it would be, so I'll, I'll shut up and let you go on to another point that you want to talk about, but I certainly have more to talk about. Well, Lee, I don't know. Let's kind of start where do we want to try to unpack this thing? Um, I, I, I did write some notes down while I was re-watching the game this morning, and Lee, the very first thing, my very first thought after watching the first two or three drives, Lee, was Texas was really was was easily able to catch OU in personnel groupings that they just weren't ready for. Um, so uh, one of the ones that comes that comes immediately to mind is the touchdown to Trey Watson, where they had they had Mark Jackson isolated on him. The reason that happened was because OU called a timeout after they gave up that long third and twenty, and they were in fourth and one, and uh, they called a timeout to get into three four personnel. Well, Texas was able to run like a little a little bit of a jet sweep or not a jet sweep, a, a swing pass to get three yards on that fourth and one. And then they went quick after that and they were in three, four personnel. And then Mark Jackson was isolated on Trey Watson and then game was over there. That happened a lot as the game went on. Um, I noticed that Texas was able to shift from tight personnel to spread personnel pretty, pretty easily. Uh, sort of reminded me a lot of, and this is obviously, this is a little hyperbole, it just sort of reminded me of that 2008 OU offense, which was able to go uh, into into a bunch of different types of personnel groupings because of DeMarco Murray and Jermaine Gresham. Lil Jordan Humphrey allows Texas to do a lot of the same things uh, with that as well. So that stood out to me, Lee. And another thing that stood out to me there was how completely ill-prepared Oklahoma was for that. Texas effectively leveraged every single advantage they had coming into that game and Texas attacked the weaknesses that OU has shown on tape over the course of the first five games of the season and OU did not react to it it was almost like OU has not they have it's almost like they haven't watched tape and they don't understand where they're showing weaknesses on tape because all Texas did Lee was just was just notice all of the things that OU has done poorly over the course of the five games, and they just repeatedly attacked them over and over again with no resistance whatsoever, and that was incredibly frustrating. So what you're telling me is that an opposing team utilized stuff they saw on film that probably other teams have done or that they've noticed that the Oklahoma defense has done and then put them in the game plan and implemented them in the game to success, which is what I've been screaming and yelling that Oklahoma's defense should be doing 
when they're watching film of other defenses slow down offenses that they're about to face. Yet they never, ever adopt any sort of scheme or tactic from anybody else. They just stay the course. They do the same exact thing they always do. And uh, a couple things that really annoy me about the Oklahoma defense, aside from it, it just not being very good right now, how many times in, in every, every game do it, does it seem like the opposing offense will come up to the line of scrimmage and there's secondary players kind of looking around, looking towards the sideline, not lined up, like, and all of a sudden the ball is snapped and they're, they're not even looking at the ball. And in my mind, I'm thinking, my God, I've never played college football, but when I played high school football at the highest level, don't get me wrong, at the highest level in Minnesota, I was always just super aware of okay the ball the quarterback is about to snap it or like we're we're near the snap like I could never ever imagine not being hyper focused on the snap and the play when it was about to happen like there was never a moment when I was like looking around like oh what are we doing like looking back at my safety or like and then like I turn back and the play's already happening that happens more than it should for Oklahoma where a player's looking around trying to figure out what to do and they turn back around and the play is already going I can't believe like I would feel like oh my gosh how lost am I what are we doing here so that's one thing and then another thing too which is super annoying which it kind of goes along the lines of this of the same thing Oklahoma never ever except if they're going to blitz which again against Texas did not happen a whole lot they never try to hide any sort of coverage they're in they come out and they just sit exactly where they are what they're going to do and they show that offense what their coverage is going to be and a team like texas who gets to the line of scrimmage doesn't really huddle they look over whoever the offensive coordinator is you know whatever tom herman i can't remember the name of the other offensive coordinator who was back i believe for that game they look at the defense they think oh this looks like cover three. Oh, they're probably in man here and they 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 dial up a play and it beats it every time. Not not once does Oklahoma ever try to hide what they're doing, which is so frustrating because if they're confident in what they're going to do, which apparently they're not, they should be able to get their players in the secondary particularly confident enough to kind of move around before the snap, maybe not be in the spot they're going to be, try to show the offense a little bit of a different look. And then when the snap comes, be – confident enough to get to where they're supposed to get what their responsibility is supposed to be and then maybe the offense is confused by that and it forces a bad play so those are just two things that I noticed in that game that has happened all throughout the year that's not going to change look I mean there's no way things are going to get different because if they haven't gotten different by now why would they Uh, and these are just another ways that Oklahoma's defense continues to be out of position and getting out schemed and that's I feel bad for these these players because I think there's some talent like I've said I just really think they're being put in bad spots and uh, I had some notes too on that touchdown pass where Mark Jackson was essentially burned by the running back I have no idea what they were doing on on defense there I really don't I mean Mark Jackson and Trey Brown ended up playing man coverage but nobody else seems to be playing man on that play and to make things even more confusing, Mark Jackson's lined up across from Lil Jordan Humphrey. But when the Humphrey runs an in route on the snap, Jackson lets him go inside, kind of passes him off, and then picks up the running back out of the backfield. And either way, that's a horrible mismatch because you got Mark Jackson on either a wide receiver or a running back. And it's even more frustrating at that point in the game because Oklahoma hadn't played a whole lot of man-to-man at that point. And when they do here, they've got Mark Jackson, for some reason, playing man against the running back. 
and before it was a wide receiver. And Ellinger recognizes this right away and then makes an easy touchdown pass. I, sometimes I just I, I don't know what they're doing. And, of course, again, the last thing before you get to your next point, that drive capped off the same drive where Texas converted a third and 20. A third and 20 and then a fourth and one. And it, it's just – and it was, it was the first of two times where Texas picked up huge, huge yardage on a third down and 20-plus. Lee, Trey Brown, after the game, had mentioned to reporters that over the course of the game they were struggling to get calls in. A lot of the players on defense were not on the same page. They were confused. You saw over the course of the game they really had struggle. They really had struggles lining up as the game went on, even as the play clock was running down. They just were really struggled, struggling to get the calls in. So, Lee, it makes me, it makes me wonder. So, so what is it? Is, is this defense too complicated uh, for the defenders to pick up, and that's that's why they're never on the same page. They don't know what's going on, because that begs the question. I mean, it doesn't. They don't seem to be doing anything particularly dynamic on defense. So it makes me wonder, you know, what the heck is going on, because they don't seem to be doing any, doing anything that's particularly confusing. And Lee, my that makes me just kind of think that I feel like Mike Stoops is probably trying to play a bunch of different complicated coverages I think he's I think he's trying to mix man and zone into the same calls that that has to be what he's doing because otherwise well, it certainly was that on that touchdown pass where Mark Jackson because, was isolated because otherwise coverage. otherwise I don't know how they're so confused they don't do anything complicated at all so it's got to be it's got to be a mix of coverages that that he's trying to call and it just must not make any sense because they, they do not do anything dynamic on first and second down at all. There were times over the course of this game where they did kind of dial up some, some pressure on third down. It was nowhere near as prevalent as it was in four of the five games leading up to this. Why? I don't know. My my original thought is they were probably just terrified of Ellinger scrambling, which in my mind, that's no big deal. That's when you spy him. Uh, they did that on a couple of occasions with Kenneth Murray, and they pretty much had success doing it every single time. It just, they didn't do that until the second half. It just either. it begs a lot of questions. I I really don't know what they were trying to do in this game. Well, I mean, actually, I I do. They they were trying to be. They were they were expecting the offense to cover up for their mistakes, and they were probably in their head thinking, "Let's make Texas efficiently drive the length of the field." We don't think they can do that, but you handed them yards to and fro the entire game. You just gave them the yards. And they, they happily took it. And then once they got Oklahoma's defense confused, which was a lot with the different personnel groupings, then they were able to take their shots 10, 15 yards downfield, and that's when they were able to rip off chunk plays. There just was not a whole lot of discipline in the defense. There was not a lot of people running towards the ball. They didn't have a lot of guys in the box when they really needed to have guys in the box. Lee, the defense played scared. They were terrified of an offense that is, a, that, that is in the bottom half of college football. And I think that is just... That's a really crappy way to play defense. There's, you know, Texas does have some guys who can stretch your defense and can hurt you, but they have not proven to be an efficient offense over the course of the season unless you allow them to be, and that's what Oklahoma did on Saturday. And I think that's something that we've said about the defense in, in a certain amount of games over the last handful of years, and it's getting to the point where it's really frustrating. And it's hard at this point in time not to think that some sort of change has to be made because they're broken from the foundation down. The culture needs to change on defense because it's it's completely broken. There is something wrong on that side of the ball. 
and I have zero confidence. I, I, I maybe could have said at the beginning of the season, maybe I have 10 to 15% confidence. At this point in time, Lee, I have 0% confidence that this defensive staff can change anything. And I mean the entire defensive staff. I, I, I honestly think that they need to seriously consider a, a complete house cleaning on that side of the ball. I think you made some really good points about the coverages, and it's clear on tape. I mean, that there are instances where they're trying to run man on one side of the field and zone on the other side of the field, and this is that's got to be incredibly complicated. And that's the only complicated thing that they're probably doing, which it bothers me because you don't need to be incredibly complicated in coverages. You just have to be smart and the players have to be confident and, and, and good at defending their, their responsibilities in their zones. Man-to-man's the easiest one. Hey, you got a man. Cover him. Zone coverage. Cover three. Cover four. It's not that difficult. You don't need to do half and half, especially against an offense like Texas or, or any other offense that's in the bottom half of college football. They're not asking their quarterbacks to, to make NFL reads and go through all their progresses on the field. I mean, they're one-read type guys. You don't need to try to confuse them big time. And as they're trying to confuse them with these different coverages, it's confusing the players. And that's just – that's so dumb because this isn't the NFL. You don't have every single day to practice. Your your one job isn't just football like it is in the NFL. And so, yeah, maybe it's confusing for these the secondary players – and I thought you made a good point there. Uh, another thought on the secondary that that now through six games, I can say, I, I can say very strongly, Buki is playing out of position. Buki needs to be a corner because in this defense, the safeties are not given really any chances to make any plays. The safeties are basically just always back too deep, and. They're coming up and reacting to a run play, maybe. They're very rarely ever blitzing. There was one time where they blitzed Buki off the edge, and he looked terrible on Saturday, where it was a perfectly called zone read play, and Ellinger kept it, and Buki bit inside. It was basically a, the equivalent of a defensive end crashing in and then breaking contain as the quarterback went for 15 yards. So that was like the one time Buki had a chance to try to get into the backfield. This is a guy where I know that he's – he's uh, there's been some complaints about his tackling, which is fair because he seems to always like to go and tackle high on guys, which is not smart considering he's only five foot nine. He's got the perfect body for getting low and cutting people's legs out, and making tackles. So hopefully over time he'll be a better tackler. But in this defense, the only secondary players that ever seem to really get a chance to make plays are the cornerbacks because offensive teams throw the ball towards the cornerbacks and they have a chance to knock it down and make a play. Uh, the safeties, again, never seem to ever get a chance to make any sort of plays. And Buki is a player that is a playmaker. So I, I, I'm with confidence. I think that he is out of position. He is being kind of wasted at safety right now. So that's one thing. Um, and also, too, uh, Trey Brown played a, a good amount. I, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't play more. Uh, Parnell Motley didn't have the best game. Uh, he, it, just, it, it seems like these cornerbacks – their coverage skills they're good and then they're bad and they never really want to turn their head it's almost like they're being taught to not turn their head and just kind of face guard and then wait for the ball to get there and then try to knock it loose which it works sometimes there was a play where it worked for motley in the in the second half last 
uh, on, on Saturday. But then it, it didn't work for Trey Norwood on that last drive for Texas where I think that play, I can see why it was called pass interference. I've watched it over and over and over again. I mean, because that, that, that play essentially was the game because it, it turned a, what it would have been a third down and I think 12 or third and long into a first and 10 for Texas. And then the very next play was whenever OU went off sides and Texas got a free play and got a chunk play yardage that basically got them towards field goal position. And it's just the reason why it didn't work well for, in Norwood's favor, I think, is because he didn't turn his head. I thought the contact was pretty limited there. And, and Trey Norwood, I think, is Oklahoma's best cover corner. I've said it over and over and over again, but he's got to be better at locating the football. And um, I, that was the game there. So it's just, I know, again, once again, a lot of things I'm going through. And, it, and I must commend you because it seems like you have more of a uh, direct set of notes that you're going down. I'm kind of just more with word salad here. But uh, I have a, a list of notes just throughout the entire game that I'm kind of just trying to go through and and hit point by point. So I will stop now and let you get back to your next thing. Well, I agree with you about Buki being out of position. I think he's clearly out of position. We have an we have half of a season uh, to judge on that now, and he just he doesn't look particularly great back there. He's good in pass coverage, uh, which was always kind of his mo coming in. He I think yeah. he's he's been really good in pass coverage. Um, he he can't tackle. He's a terrible tackler. Um, and that needs to that needs to happen. But you know what, Lee? The entire secondary are awful tacklers. And it, well, the whole the whole team, the whole defense actually is they're pretty all bad. poor at tackling. Yeah, Kenneth and Murray it's, it's was angles, awful on. Yeah, yeah. Ang- angles I think are the big thing. Uh, Kenneth Murray always leaves the cutback lane at all times. Uh, there were a couple times where Sam Ellinger was able just to do a very very slow cutback and just completely left Kenneth Murray's jock on the ground. Um, Lee, I, I, the, the entire the entire defense really needs to work on their tackling because it's atrocious. It is atrocious, and I don't really know what else to. How, how are you going to correct that? I, that has to be a cultural thing on defense, uh, and that has to be because there's no way that all eleven of those guys are that are that terrible at tackling. Otherwise, they wouldn't have Division One scholarships. Um, and also, to let's just I think we should just say it now. There, OU is really bad at the safety position. They're really bad at safety. Um, and obviously the, the failure in recruiting in that aspect over the last handful of recruiting cycles is, is obviously showing up. It showed up big time last year, and it's showing up again this year. And they've also they, they've missed out on big safety recruits as well. Will, Sunder, Will Sunderland getting kicked off the team continues to haunt this program as well. Um, they, they have no natural safeties really back there uh, besides Houghton and Barnes. And, and Lee, they're, they're just not playing well. They're, they're just not necessarily who we thought they were or they just don't have any sort of fit in the scheme that they're playing in. There's a lot of issues back there, and you're right that just how bad this defense has been, I think it's blended, you know, it's, I, I have no idea what's wrong. I don't know if these players are just really bad or if it is just the scheme that they're in or the positions that they're being put in. Yesterday was just was so bad on so many levels, and it, it really is hard. Like, I, I, I share your... I share your thoughts about how when you watch it, it's just it's hard to know what good defense is because we've been so desensitized to seeing this. And I know it, it, hindsight is 50-50, but I, I'm sure everybody just really regrets running off Brent Venables now. Um, and I know that that's more of just a, an, an emotional thing that just popped in my mind. But the trajectory on defense in this program has just continued to fall fall off of a cliff. And... 
it, it's it's really disappointing. And so I'm I'm sure a lot of people are going to come to us and say, well, hey, you know, what would you do different? I guess off the top of my head, I don't. This is not something that I don't think you can do in the middle of the season. So this is more of just wholesale scheme changes that I would hope would come with uh, with with an influx of, of new defensive thought with, with a new staff. Hopefully that would come in. Is one they need to completely completely scrap the, the two gap technique up front. That's why they're giving up three to four yards every single freaking time running the ball. You can tell the the linebackers are just sitting back waiting to catch blocks that are coming or waiting to catch the running backs that are coming into the hole because they have no idea which hole they're going to go into. And their defensive front is just not good enough to be in that two-gap scheme. I said it right at, the beginning, right at the beginning of the season. You need awesome players up front to run a two-gap scheme. Oklahoma does not have awesome players up front. And... They've been they've been trying to fit a square peg into a round hole for the last five seasons doing that, and they kind of had the personnel to do that when they first switched there when they had Charles Tapper and Jordan Phillips. They do not have that any longer, and they need to get as far away from that two-gap scheme as they possibly can because it's garbage. It's bad. Let's see. another Other defensive notes I have. Uh, I got to say, great job by the defense to stand up Sam Ellinger on third and short late in the game on that last Texas drive to force a fourth and one and a field goal attempt. But at the same time, bad on the defense because if Oklahoma would not have used that timeout on defense early on in the third quarter, they could have stopped the clock there with 54 seconds left to go in the game which would then, of course, given the Sooners about 40 to 45 seconds probably to operate and move the ball down the field to get Austin Seibert a chance to tie the game. But once again, against Texas, two different times in the game, timeouts were called while Oklahoma was on defense, one of them in the first half, the other one in the second half. That I, I don't know if there's stats for it, probably don't, don't exist, but I would bet my almost my life that Oklahoma leads the nation in timeouts called on defense over the last, I don't know, five years. I, I don't know if any other team calls so many timeouts on defense. Against Baylor last week, I believe Oklahoma used at least three timeouts on defense, if not four timeouts on defense against Baylor. That's a huge problem. That just shows a, a, a bit of like t- timeouts should only be used on offense. <laughs> and to stop the clock so that I mean a timeout called on defense ended up coming out coming back and biting Oklahoma when the offense gave the Sooners a chance at the end of that game because they couldn't stop the clock and Texas was able to run the clock down to like what 14 seconds to kick that field goal <sighs> so I mean who knows what Oklahoma could have done with 40 to 45 seconds left in their offense I'd, maybe they wouldn't have gotten field goal range maybe they would have maybe they would have gotten somehow gotten a big play and scored a touchdown and won the game we'll never know so that was annoying when it comes to the defense. Uh, we're we're kind of running low on time because we're, we're going to try to get out of here so we can watch Baker Mayfield play uh, football against the Ravens here on Sunday as we record this. Should we – let's let's see. Uh, the offense. How about uh, – I, I will say this about the offense. It was fantastic. I, I know Kyler Murray was really broken up after the game uh, because that's, that's one of the first starts uh, he's lost in a long time. Never lost a game in high school. When I was at Texas A&M covering the Aggies, I don't believe he ever fully lost a start. He he did lose games where he started, but in those games, he was taken out of the game before the game was over, whether it was an injury or he just got pulled because he wasn't playing very well. So this is the first time since he was a little kid 
that he actually started a game, played the entire way, and lost. So clearly he was broken up by it. Grant, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Kyler Murray. I thought he was fantastic. That fumble was obviously a, a big momentum shift. That's a total fluke. Uh, Total fluke. I don't. And it was a fluke. Yeah. I mean, it just it was it was horrible timing because Oklahoma was just starting to get some momentum. It was the first time Oklahoma's defense in a long time actually forced a three and actually the first time they forced a three and out, and Oklahoma was only within one possession. And of course, uh, something bad happened there. But yeah, it's just he played so well. And that sixty-seven yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter, I just I it made me. I, I watched it back a couple times, and I just I laugh when I watch it. I mean, it's it's exactly what you've been wanting to see from Kyler Murray, and it's exactly what can make him such a game changer at quarterback. Just imagine if you pair that with an average defense. Uh, and you know what? Texas has played a lot of average defenses this year, and they've struggled against them, which makes this even more frustrating. So yeah, Lee, let, 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 let's do go to the offense, because I know there's going to be some segments of the fan base who probably say, hey, you know, this the offense does does catch some blame for this game because they had opportunities to keep them in it, but they didn't. Um, I a, a lot of the same arguments at the Rose Bowl. I hate those arguments. They're bad arguments. Um, I, I just I, I want to bring up a no, no. The Rose Bowl. That's those are not bad arguments. The Rose Bowl. It's legitimate arguments. This game, it's not. It's not on the offense in this game. The Rose Bowl. There was some. I mean, one touchdown in the entire second half in overtime. When you have a lead, there are some. There are some faults on the offense in the Rose Bowl. That is a defendable position. For this game, though, it's not. The offense was very, very good against Texas. Okay, well, to keep it on this game, I will just I, I just want to highlight a thing that happened near the end of the first half. So, Lee, on that drive after Texas took the 17-10 to 10 lead, that's kind of when uh, Oklahoma's offense first broke serve. That was the first time they didn't score. And what happened, Lee, on that, on that very first play is that Murray was sacked for a loss of 10 on the first play, and that was the one where it was kind, they were trying to set up sort of an underneath bubble screen to Hollywood. And Kyler made a mistake on that one. He had he had Brown on that one. If he just would have waited a just a split second longer, he had Hollywood, and he may have scored on that play actually. Um, and that was the play where he had just kind of gotten caught off balance and then was sacked. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to highlight that play, Lee, because that's what happens when you force the offense to be perfect and you're going against a an elite to very good defense. Which going to this game statistically, that's what Texas's defense was. Texas's defense, Lee, in this game made about four or five plays, and that's all they had to do over the course of this game because Oklahoma's defense forced the offense to be perfect. Texas's defense is very, very good, and when they only need to make four or five plays over the course of the game, even going against Oklahoma's defense, of course they can do that. Of course they can make those plays. And really, they did. They they sacked Kyler Murray four times. There was that fumble. There was the interception. And then they they had Marquise Brown. Uh, he lost three yards kind of on a swing pass. That was pretty much it. And th- that was enough to put OU behind the chains on those drives to either punt or turn it over when Kyler Murray threw the interception. That's all Texas needed. And I- I'm just saying that stuff is forgivable. The offense was good enough to make up for that stuff. But the Oklahoma defense just could not get off the field. Lee, Oklahoma's offense was spectacular in this game. Texas's defense, I, I think, is a fringe top 10 unit in the country. And Oklahoma, for the most part, absolutely dominated Texas's defense in this game. Really, Not, hit- to, mention, uh, not, not to mention when it, Oklahoma was as uh, 
it was as, as easy to defend them as ever it's ever going to be down three touchdowns with 10 minutes to go in the game and yet Oklahoma still was able to rally and score three three touchdowns and just I mean chunk plays I mean obviously the Kyler Murray play but also I mean just just ripping through that Texas defense and that should have been at the point where it was easy for Texas to play defense because Oklahoma had their backs against the wall and the offense still was that good and Lee so this is what that's how good this Oklahoma offense is Texas took their foot off the gas for four minutes and just like that the game was tied and and so I just I and and really and really actually Texas just kind of stopped itself on, on those drives where OU was getting stops, penalties, um, penalties, really bad play calls as well when they were in third and short. I think at that time, um, when uh, when OU was down by a touchdown, Lee, they they called uh, on third and three near midfield. Texas called a pass play for some reason, even though at that point in time, I think it had been OU still had only gotten two stops on third and three the entire season at that point until they got the one on Ellinger near the end of the game. Uh, so that was an especially near midfield. If I was Tom Herman, in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, I'm just going to run Ellinger twice here on that that one play that they ran ten times that OU only stopped once for you know for less than a you know for for a gain of less than a yard or for not a first down um that was dumb so I I think Texas really did kind of allow Oklahoma to get back in because they did take their foot off the gas but OU had their one window and damn did they take advantage of it and how easily how easily when Texas got kind of into their shell defense didn't want to get burned just how easily Oklahoma moved the ball down the field um so this offense is is national championship good again, and it has been for for four consecutive seasons. And you know what? It's I'm so frustrated. Uh, it, it's really hard for me not to think that if Brent Venables was here still, one they would have a national championship last year for sure, um, and they would be right in it again this year. Um, and I know that doesn't really it doesn't mean anything anymore. I mean, it's been six or seven seasons now, but. And and man, in hindsight, that was just a huge mistake. Especially considering Brent Venables is is obviously just fine with being a defensive coordinator. He's never tried, as far as we know, to become a head coach. He's just he's cool with being the DC, and that's where he's at in Clemson. And there you go. Um, and it's just like I, and I'm I'm gonna harp on my analytics because I love them so much. But it's 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 really worth repeating that the worst Brent Venables coach defense at OU was like it in the high 20s in S&P defense. That was the worst he's ever coached oh. at OU. Um, and I, I don't I, I think I think Mike Stoops has had one defense um, that has that has finished in the top half of college football. And that was the 2015 college football playoff where they had a ton of juniors and seniors on that defense with with three or four years of, of starting experience, which makes which makes more sense now if he's trying to run a bunch of really confusing coverages on the back end it would make sense that guys who had been starting for three or four years were able to understand it after three or four years in the program well uh when your frustrations that you just kind of laid out a moment ago it's a perfect transition into some of our facebook comments so we posted a, a question on facebook before the show and we asked for your comments so let's go through them right now and we'll start with tj and tj says Oklahoma is wasting okay sorry let me start over TJ says we are wasting two of the greatest weapons Oklahoma has ever had Mayfield and Murray 
And that's a sentiment that I have seen the last couple of, or I guess the last day is, and we, what we talked about, I think we talked about it maybe before, but it is incredibly frustrating that Oklahoma had Baker Mayfield for three seasons, probably the best college quarterback ever, didn't win a national title, made a couple playoffs, but again, uh, all I care about is national titles, and Oklahoma had the best quarterback in college probably ever, didn't win one. And now they've had Kyler Murray, who's incredibly dynamic, probably just for one season. And he's he's had a fantastic year so far. And he answered some questions going against a defense like Texas, played very, very well. The the interception was just he'll I mean, it was a bad decision. Okay. That the there's a center fielder out there and, and he didn't account for this deep safety. That was bad. But for the most part, he was he was fantastic. And yet it's gonna take uh, Oklahoma a lot of help to get back into the national title picture. They're gonna have to win out and have some help in, in, in this offense, and not to mention those two players, and also Lincoln Riley calling plays for all this time, and Oklahoma has not won a national title. So I, with TJ, I, it is incredibly frustrating that all these other college teams don't have players like that, yet a team like Alabama, a team like Clemson. I mean, Clemson had Deshaun Watson, and he's, he was very good. Uh, but these other teams have won titles, and, and Oklahoma has not. Grant, your thoughts on TJ's comment? I agree. Anything? Um yeah. And... Let's let's not make any bones about it. Kyler Murray has been sensational this season. He has Yes, he, he has. He has completely exceeded any sort of expectation I had for him. Lee, in my mind, he is squarely in the same tier right now with Baker Mayfield and Sam Bradford for Oklahoma quarterbacks. He's been, yeah, especially he's been considering that this good. is especially considering this is Murray's first year, essentially. I mean, is his first year as starter. I mean, think back to Mayfield's first year as a starter. I mean, isn't isn't Murray better right now than Mayfield was as his first year as a starter oh absolutely yeah Kyler Murray just just had one of the best first halves of a college football season ever um I mean if you go if if you care about ESPN's QBR metric um right now his his is like 96 and a half which is actually not as good as as Tua's Tua is like a point ahead of him but uh, last year, Baker Mayfield finished at like 92.5 for the entire season. And right now, Kyler Murray's at 96.5 for a QBR. Um, Kyler Murray has been so good this year that I can't believe it. And he is, he is absolutely having a, honestly, a cinch Heisman Trophy season if Tua Tagovailoa didn't exist. And um, it is very frustrating that it appears that Oklahoma is going to have another transcendent quarterback and they're going to come up short for a national title. Um, of course, there's still a possibility they could make the college football playoff. Uh, this season feels a little different, especially with the teams at the top. I just, I, I know people say this every year that they can't envision teams like that losing until they actually do lose. But having that been said, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson ain't losing. They're not going to lose. Um, so, I, I just, I, I don't really see any any scenario where they can get in. I mean, obviously they're going to have to win out to do so, but I, if, if, if Texas can watch film so easily and, and just completely dis, deconstruct Oklahoma's defense, I don't see why Texas tech won't be able to do that or why West Virginia won't be able to do that. Um, and I know at least those two defenses are probably going to throw the kitchen sink at Oklahoma and at least try to break serve a couple times. And I just have no confidence that Oklahoma's defense is going to do that. We'll see if I, – I, I really don't expect them to make a change, Lee, in the middle of the season, and I, I don't think I would do that unless it's just gotten so bad behind the scenes and we don't know about it. But 
I, what are they going to do? I, I, the only thing I think they can do right now, if you're Mike Stoops, is just say, screw it and get as aggressive as humanly possible. But it was time to do that last year, and they still didn't do it. So I, I just, they're not going to make any adjustments as the season goes on. And I think anybody who thinks that they will, that's just false hope at this point in time. Speaking of Mike Stoops, a couple comments from Benjamin and Warren. We'll start with Benjamin. Benjamin says, probably the worst defense I've ever seen Oklahoma play. There was nothing we could do to stop their offense. I'm very disappointed right now. We uh, share your sentiments, Benjamin. Also, Benjamin adds, even Mike Stoops commented and said that he seemed incapable of getting his players to perform at a high level. Yet, for some reason, Stoops is a hill that Lincoln Riley wants to die on. So there's Benjamin's comment, and then we'll go with Warren's because it's also about Mike Stoops and his postgame comments. Warren says, the postgame statements by Mike Stoops were the most conciliatory I've ever seen him make. It's a big difference from the defiant tone he took after, uh, Warren says after Iowa State, but I, I, I think Warren might mean the Army game because it was after the Army game where he was pretty defensive in the postgame presser and for some reason decided to wear his, his uh, visor backwards and upside down. Uh, looking back, pretty, uh, pretty questionable decision, especially after Saturday. Anyways, uh, Warren says, can we read anything into those comments? Um, I think all we can read into the comments by Mike Stoops is something that I think he, he, he already knows. I mean, Mike Stoops knows that his defense is not performing and publicly he's said it. I mean, what is he supposed to do? He, I mean, it would look really bad if he continued to blame other things or, or whatnot. I mean, he, he knows he's got to take some responsibility for it or all responsibility and essentially he has, but at, at some point, and the point is way past date, it doesn't really matter anymore. I mean, you can take responsibility all you can. Great. At first, that's awesome. But whenever you see the same mistakes over and over and over again, as a, as a fan base, as a, people that like the program, it just it's all becomes white noise. And I think you made a great point. You made a great point throughout the podcast. If Texas's offense can watch tape and figure out ways to easily exploit Oklahoma's defense and look like a unit that's one of the best in college football – that's a huge problem, and there's so many better offenses in, Kyle, in, in the Big 12 uh, that are going to be able to make Oklahoma look bad defensively. It's just Texas happens to have a good defense, too, so it was able to slow down Oklahoma's offense. That's why that game went that way. So I'll let you comment on uh, anything else there from the, those comments from Benjamin and Warren. Well, I mean, they were able to slow down their offense marginally on basically on, on a couple of first downs where they got OU behind the chains. That was the only way they were really able to uh, – to slow down OU's offense. And Lee, I do want to bring up as well, um, on the one time OU got into third and 21, of course that was a very infamous down and distance Texas was in in this past game. They they rushed four. They had three they, they had three down linemen who all rushed and they blitzed a linebacker and the second linebacker spied Murray on that one. That would have been an infinitely, uh, infinitely better play uh, than how Oklahoma defended the other two consequential third and longs that Texas was in, in which they just, in which they rushed three and let Ellinger just sit back in the pocket and just let his guys come open, um, and you know played an incredibly soft zone defense, an incredibly soft zone easy. defense, um, and you know we every everyone knows about those crappy third and twenties, and everyone knows that they were garbage, so we don't need to relitigate those here. Um, Lee, I, I just I, I don't know what to say anymore. Uh, Mike Stoops did seem very, very less defiant in this one. Um, much, obviously, much more so than the Army game. But, but really, Lee, 
the a lot of the the criticism and the complaints that were brought up from the army game they they reared their ugly head in this game quite a bit this is what i was concerned about after the army game a game exactly like this well it's it's just generally it's it's a it's a lack of preparation to where they're watching tape and 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 doing things on defense to go against the strengths of the opposing offense and also the the unwillingness to adjust to things in game that's what we saw against army so we saw against texas oklahoma did the same thing on defense for the most part all game long didn't blitz a whole lot there was one kind of unique creative blitz that they ran in the first half it was after kyler murray's interception and actually the defense did a good job of holding texas to a field goal and they got texas into third and long and they called a pretty creative blitz where they showed blitz off of the the weak side and then backed out Curtis Bolton and then blitz from the strong side and Justin Burroughs had a free run on Sam Ellinger and it was very well designed and Ellinger had to throw the ball before he wanted to didn't see a whole lot of that the rest of the game didn't see a whole lot of creative blitzes like that and I think it's because Oklahoma very rarely ever got got Texas into third and long oh with the exception of the two times they did get Texas into third and 20 with where they didn't put any pressure on Ellinger at all uh, lastly Andrew says and and Andrew's clearly uh he's bit of a ranty post here but we appreciate the comment he says if you think you could get you could go get anybody to coach Oklahoma with the lack of talent on the d-line and at safety you're crazy the defensive line needs two years and the next two classes to become great again and can't keep missing at safety sorry moving a small five-star to cornerback sorry he says moving a small five-star corner to safety isn't working. Obviously, he's referencing Buki. And we've already earlier in the show we talked about how we think Buki's playing out of position. And I yeah, I, Andrew, I'd agree with that. It's it's not working. Buki at safety is not working, especially because we thought didn't we think that Buki was going to play more of a nickelback role? He's played strong safety all year. And uh which again doesn't really provide him many chances to make any plays, which he's a playmaker. He was in high school. And he's kind of just being asked to be a, a, a two deep safety and not get beat deep, essentially. Which, which is which he hasn't done. He's done a good job in that respect, right? But uh, but coming up to defend the run, he's atrocious. He is atrocious uh, coming and up a, to defend the run. A part of that is because he's being probably asked to be conservative and not get beat deep. So he's not being aggressive coming towards the line of scrimmage a lot of times. And he's making sure a hundred percent. Okay, yeah, this is a run play. This is a run play. So then, therefore, sometimes he's late getting there. Same thing with Khalil Houghton too. I mean, the safeties are being taught, and the the game plan is to be very timid at safety. It's what it was against Army. It's what it was against Texas. Uh, the big plays aren't really happening as much. But whenever you give up all those yards at Texas and you lose like that, it doesn't really matter. And Lee, I also have one more thing. Um, I, I understand what he's saying about the defensive line, and obviously the defensive line needs to be much more impactful, uh, of course, up front like that. But I would argue that the scheme that they're in is 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 terrible for a defensive lineman to to actually show up on tape. There, a, a two gap scheme really is catching blocks. That that's all it is. They're not really part of the scheme is not getting into the backfield and. Um, and, and creating havoc, and that's one of the problems. It's because of the scheme. That's why. And so I'm, I, I'm completely uncomfortable uh, saying that there's no talent on the defensive line right now when the scheme that they're playing does not allow them, does not free them up to make plays at all. It just doesn't. And it'd be one thing if Kenneth Murray and Curtis Bolton were just dynamic all-world linebackers that always picked the right run gap, always had the right run stuffs. But here's the thing, it they just aren't they aren't I mean they 
they're timid too. And I mean, they've been praising the defensive line a lot this season because that's the defensive line's job is to take up those blocks to free up Bolton and Murray to make plays. And sometimes they'll do. Uh, sometimes they do. But most of the time, it, it seems like they don't. I mean, how many times, if any, do you ever see Murray or Bolton shoot a gap trying to like to, to snuff out a run play in the backfield? You never see it. They had one run blitz, Lee, in this game that I recall seeing, and they stopped Texas for a loss of two yards. One run blitz. I, I'd have to go back to see if it was in the first or second half. I can't. Actually, it was on the uh, it was on the possession after Kyler threw his pick, in which they held him to a field goal. Uh, they blitzed on on second and ten, and they 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 got him for a loss of two yards. Trey Watson in the backfield. Uh, Murray and Bolton just picked a gap, and they both blitzed at the same time. And Texas had absolutely no chance. And that was the same drive where they, I mean, they immediately got them behind the chains, then forced a third and 11, and then they dialed up that blitz I talked about a moment ago where Justin Burles ended up coming, getting a free run at Ellinger, and it worked out great. It's just the downside is that it happened whenever Texas was already in field goal position and they got points out of it. <laughs> yeah, and also, I, and, and I know this is probably not true, but I'm convinced in the last two decades, Texas has not missed a field goal against Oklahoma. They have made every single one. I'm glad you brought that up because I am convinced of the same exact thing. I do not recall, and you've watched more closely OU Texas than I have in the last, basically ever since 2010 because I kind of just checked out a bit and moved around and had different jobs and was busy on Saturdays. So, I mean, you've watched more of it than me, but yeah, I ever since 2008 when uh, Texas was very good kicking and then, of course, in 2009 when Oklahoma's defense was great but the offense wasn't great, uh, I can't remember the Texas kicker that It would have been Justin year. Tucker, you know, the best NFL it wasn't. kicker. It wasn't. Was it not? It wasn't. No, I thought it was too. It was uh, It was somebody else And because I, I, we talked about it at work the other day, and I went back and looked, and I remembered the name. I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. But he had like three or four field goals in that game and basically one Texas game. Anyway, point being, I think I'm with you. I don't remember Texas ever missing a field goal in the OU Texas game. Ever. And that's more of that's more of just like kind of like a hacky emotional fan take. I'm sure they have missed one. Uh, but it just I'm just frustrated by that because it seems like whenever Texas needs points, they always get it. Lee, we've gone through this entire defensive rant thing and we still haven't brought up that OU has not stopped a team inside of the red zone once this year, which of course is uh I think that's a direct product with, with how they're trying to play defense. A direct product oh, of it. No doubt. That is unbelievable. Unbe it's, six it's, games. It is because they are they they play defense scared, and that is where the culture comes in. Their culture right now is to play defense scared. That's what it is, and I know that by the two gap scheme. I know that by um, their emphasis on not giving up big plays this year. They are just trying to hold on as much as possible so that so the offense can bail them out. And when you're playing in the Big Twelve, when you're playing, it's just. It's really, really, it's just a terrible, terrible defensive strategy and philosophy. Take the fight to the offense. If you get beat, oh well, at least sometimes you're going to put them behind the chains and you're going to force them to make plays. Lee, they didn't, they didn't do that to Texas once on Saturday. And it was, or they did, but, and then when they did, that seemed like they had success. Yeah. It's like, te it's like Texas was happy to get in the third and long those couple of times. Okay, thanks. You're, we know what you're going to do. You're going to play incredibly soft and give us some clean, easy windows to throw to so we can get 18 yards here. And granted, one of them was where they they move the pile 11 yards downfield. If there's, <sighs> and, and if there's one schematic thing that I'm going to continue to harp on, 
because I just despise it. The two-gap scheme needs to go, and it needs to go three years ago. I despise it. It's awful. Unless you have legitimately three NFL defensive linemen uh, on your defensive line, it does not work. And they are going to continue to give up three yards here, four yards here, pretty much every single time another team tries to run the ball. Every time. The kicker in 09, Hunter Lawrence. Hunter Lawrence, the Texas kicker. All right, that's it for today. We will be actually taking this week off because of the OU bye. I'm sorry, but Grant and I, we need a break, especially after Saturday's game. We, we got to take a step back and, and collect our thoughts and, and reassess this season a bit. We will be back, though, with a preview in a week or so with Oklahoma's next opponent. That's TCU. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. <laughs>